Hello and welcome to this week's Renwick Centre podcast. My name's Trudy Smith and I'm the manager of the RIDBC Renwick Centre. Today's podcast has a voice that you might find familiar. Dave Williams was actually interviewed us for the Brailcast podcast that you listened to last week and Dave was the first blind person to complete the UEB online accessible course. So very, very proud distinction in our minds as well. But Dave, if there's anything else that you wanted to share with our listeners. Thanks, Trudy. It's lovely to speak with you again. Um, So yeah, as you said, I'm Dave Williams. I uh, present the Brailcast podcast. I also chair the Brailist Foundation, which is a, a grassroots group of people passionate about spreading Braille usage. And my day job is in customer experience with RNIB. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. Uh, I'm I'm really passionate, I think, about Braille usage. That For me, I think it was really when I became a dad that the penny really dropped. So like a lot of kids, I was taught Braille from quite a young age. I've been blind since birth. I have uh, Leber's congenital amaurosis. And I didn't love Braille as a kid. I, I've, I found it really frustrating, slow, hard work, and, uh, you know, everything that, uh, that teenage boys uh, detest and uh, as I got older I I recognized the value for work making notes delivering presentations all that stuff but it was still you know like a necessary tool rather than something I felt passionately about and then when I became a dad and I wanted to read the bedtime story to my son braille really was the only way to do that you know we all love audiobooks and long may they continue but actually reading the bedtime story that's my job as a parent and so then I really realized that that braille was a medium through which I could have that independence and confidence and opportunity to do more of the same things that sighted parents were doing Right. That's an excellent reason to, to see the value of Braille in such a functional way as well. And, and that's what I'm wanting to talk to you about, I guess, around um, accessibility for people who are blind or low vision. And To you personally, what is the importance of online accessibility? So UEB Online, we've made that accessible. What's the importance of that? Well, it's the difference between being able to do something or not being able to do something. It might be the difference between being able to book a holiday or buy a product or read the newspaper or any number of activities that you might want to complete so when you make a website accessible you enable everybody to use it and often you know it's perhaps a little bit overused but I think it still holds true that when you make something accessible you tend to improve it for everybody so that the you know the old analogy of putting a ramp to a building that doesn't just benefit a wheelchair user it also benefits somebody who perhaps is pushing a pram or has heavy shopping or maybe somebody who just walks a bit more slowly so there are all sorts of reasons why you might want to make uh, your content and your website accessible it's basically about widening your market to the widest possible audience Sure. It's, I guess it's around that universal design, isn't it? That you make you make something from the outset that everybody can access. I, ideally, you would do that um, at the beginning. Um, but I think we all have to recognise that there are lots of uh, websites and digital services that perhaps were developed without accessibility in mind from the outset. And often it does take longer and it can be more expensive to retrofit that. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it. There are often simple things that you can do that can make a huge difference. Sure. Can you talk us through some of those things? What makes that site accessible? What should developers be thinking about? 
So providing alternative ways to access information. So don't just assume that somebody can recognize uh, the difference in color or don't assume that somebody can recognize an image. So providing text descriptions for images, uh, subtitles for videos, uh, perhaps even transcripts of audio uh, are all ways in which you can make that content um, more accessible to a wider audience. But when you do that as well, it also makes it easier for the search engine. So when Google comes along and tries to index your site, uh, if there are more ways to discover that information, then uh, it's going to be easier for the search engine uh, to kind of direct people to relevant content. Um, so that's the first thing, uh, you know, alt tags, I suppose, and then then on from there. Um, the second thing, I suppose, is about structure. So looking at the tab order on, on a web page, does it make sense when somebody's using the keyboard uh, to navigate your page? Because obviously some users won't be using a mouse. Uh, and also, does it make sense uh, on, a, on a touch screen? So we're using lots of different interfaces now, you know, 20 years ago perhaps everybody was using uh, a mouse but lots of people using using touch screens um and obviously blind and partially sighted people we, we perhaps rely more heavily on on the keyboard so uh looking at the the navigation and the structure and then related to that is the markup of the web page so heading levels using uh appropriate uh heading level one at the you know the highest level uh, and then subsections marking those up with heading level two because obviously screen reader users we um, navigate uh, using those those elements but again it, it makes the content much more digestible for everybody uh, it might be that somebody's on a small screen or it might be that somebody's on a slow connection um, so uh, considering that that universal design absolutely yeah fantastic thank you for that and I guess uh, my reasons for having you here tonight is somewhat parochial in that we want to talk about UEB, but I think um, as someone who has um, contributions towards websites and things, I think it's always really useful to be reminded about the importance of simplicity and, and all of those things like headings and, and, and tab order and that sort of thing. So thank you for that reminder. That's really useful. When So as the first blind um, person who completed the UEB online version. I'm really curious about your experiences with it. So what was the screen reader software that you used, Dave? So this is going back to 2016, I think, yeah. uh, when I first became aware of UEB online. It occurred to me, I was freelance at the time and I was offering uh, training on technology and braille technology specifically. And it occurred to me that while I am a Braille reader and I can write Braille and I'd produced a, a series of podcasts actually for the UK Association of uh, Alternative Formats around um, the differences between the old standard English Braille and the new unified English Braille. It, it, it occurred to me that I didn't have any kind of certification in uh, unified English Braille and so I started to have a little look online to see what I could find uh, and I came across UEB online and I wasn't aware at that point that it previously, you know, when you originally launched it, um, it was aimed at really at sighted people. And so I, I came along uh, and of course I chose to do the, the accessible version. Now it's just, just one version, but uh, I chose to do the accessible version and I was using NVDA um, in, in 2016. And I was also using, I, do you know, I, 
I'd, I'd have to go and check. I think I was using either the Google Chrome web browser or, or Firefox. It was certainly one of those. Um, and what I discovered wasn't just that you'd, you'd made it accessible. You'd kind of gone over and above because you'd included extra keystrokes to announce um, the information that you might need when you're completing the exercises. So keystrokes to speak the current word, to spell the current word. Um, you'd also included some sound effects as well. So when you're approaching the end of the line, you get a little sound, you know, or whatever it does, you know, to tell you that you're a few characters away from the end of the line. Yep. So you'd actually gone the extra mile. And I was I was thrilled with this. Uh, and, I, and I found it really easy to do. And I was delighted that, you know, pretty much anybody with a Windows computer and a free screen reader uh, could complete a course in UEB. Yeah. And you know, NVDA is another great Australian um, version as well so it's great to hear that you're, you're plugging that as well but and so it's nice to hear that the navigation is so useful and things like telling you you're getting towards the end of a line what happened when you made a mistake did it did it talk to you through that absolutely yeah so error messages uh would be announced as soon as you made them so then you could have another go uh and of course you know, if you've got that screen reader proficiency you're able to review the rest of the web page so all the essential information you need for the current um, section or the current exercise is on the same page. You haven't got to go away or have multiple windows open or, or anything like that. There's there's one edit box. It's really clear where you need to write and, and what you need to do. And I think sometimes, Trudy, it's not just getting all the technical stuff right. It's also having straightforward language and making the content easy to understand. And, and you guys certainly did that. Oh, well, that's, that's very great to hear. So thank you so much for that feedback. That's brilliant. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it wasn't hard. I <laughs> know, <laughs> oh, I've completed tricky. the course too, so I agree. It still, it still forces you to work quite hard to learn the Braille. <laughs> well, the, the, the one that tripped me up was, I think it was exercise 25, uh, and there was a, a long dash uh, and I couldn't quite figure out what do I need to do for the long dash. I think I had to write something like Mr. B and it was a capital B immediately followed by a long dash. And I got myself in in knots with that. So I, I sent in a, a, an email uh, and, and Josie came back to me, I think, in about 24 hours, you know, with yeah. a tip for, for how I could um, work with that. And of course, when I was doing it, you know, I had no idea that I was the... Um, the first blind person to kind of be doing it organically. I assume you must have tested it. And that's another really important part of making your website and making your content accessible is do some usability testing, do some functional testing with, you know, as diverse an audience as you possibly can, because usually it's those kinds of tests that, that really shake out the real world problems you know we all are aware of the automated tools that exist uh, for conducting accessibility testing but just because a website meets some arbitrary set of criteria you know based on a on a tool that doesn't mean that any human being is going to be able to use it with their assistive technology so you need that mix of automated and uh, user testing and you yeah agreed and we have that. some we're really grateful to the, the testing team. The vast majority were blind and, and low vision who gave us very explicit and very deliberate feedback. So um, they'll be delighted to hear that, that you've benefited from their feedback to us. Because that was the thing. I didn't feel like I was using a 1.0 
product like we you know i've worked in uh software development and in product development uh i've worked for assistive technology uh, companies and braille display manufacturers and screen reader manufacturers where i've you know i've seen software at very early stage you know i've i've played with alpha software um and so you expect it to be a bumpy experience at that stage and i didn't have a sense of when i was using ueb online for the first time that i was using a kind of a 1.0 um product essentially uh, and it was when i got the email from uh, craig cashmore your uh, developer to say uh, congratulations dave you're the first blind person in the world to have <laughs> completed ueb online i nearly fell off my chair i couldn't believe it but really because this didn't feel like uh, like it was the first version yeah, no, we, we, we did a significant amount of testing and, and Craig that you, Cashmore, who you spoke about, incredibly skilled in developing the materials, significant feedback from Josie House and, and Francis Gentle, as well as the, the team who tested it. So we were determined to share a product that worked from the outset. And so it's great to hear that it did for you. Well, yeah, and I do, you know, wonder now whether, uh, and I think I might have said something to to Craig at the time, whether this this model, this template that you have, you know, designed, um, might be applicable to other environments and other and teaching other other subjects. Um, obviously, Braille is the priority, and uh, I definitely don't want to take Craig away from that that project doing such <laughs> a job. No, absolutely, and and quite rightly so. Hang on to him; he's a, he's a good one. But the um, the principles that you've developed, those design principles about the way you talk to the screen reader and the way you uh, give the user exactly the information they need to know, that mix of announcements and uh, the sounds uh, is, is really effective. Uh, and particularly now uh, during the pandemic, we're thinking a lot more about remote learning and teaching that we really need high quality, robust, fully accessible tools for uh, delivering remote learning for blind and partially sighted uh, children around the world. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think the thing that, that the pandemic has really highlighted for all of us is that we're having to teach differently. And that works for some of the population, but we have to think really differently for, for other members of the population. Are there other strategies that you've seen teachers using for students who are blind or have low vision in, in the UK to support remote learning? So I'm quite close to this because my wife is a teacher of independent living skills a specialist uh, skill for blind and partially sighted uh, students so I know there aren't many of those specialist schools uh, left you know 96% of kids in the, in the UK with some visual impairment do go to to a mainstream school um, but she works in the specialist school and she has been working from home um, and speaking with students every day and I think the thing that she brings to the table is obviously her own lived experience as uh, as a blind person so naturally I think when blind people are describing things to each other we're very specific because we know that just saying oh it's on the table or it's in the other room or something like yeah, that not doesn't, really, yeah. <laughs> doesn't really cut it no so you just kind of naturally say where you've put something or where uh, something is and of course you don't um 
have to be a blind person but i think actually you know i mentioned testing and if you can get blind people to test your um content or your 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 website or your system then that will provide you with a perspective that that you perhaps wouldn't otherwise have so i just think the ability of a blind person to articulate and describe uh, very clearly and concisely. Not all blind people. Some blind people are terrible at describing stuff. But let's I not generalise. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but generally speaking, um, I do find a lot of blind people are more more specific at you know giving directions and uh, and and that kind of thing. Also, being able to make sure that somebody's got any learning resources uh, uh, ahead of time in a form uh, that they can access. You know, don't just sort of turn up uh, and assume that if you're sharing something visually. In in a video conference that that's going to work for your audience it may not do so you might want to make that available on a dropbox or some other cloud storage or perhaps you know is that even just an old email attachment might do it um the important thing is to make sure that everybody uh, who's going to be receiving uh, whatever it is you want to to teach has access to all the learning resources before you actually start the the session um, because otherwise you put people at a, dis a huge disadvantage. Absolutely. It's really about all learning on the same basis, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think so. And and um, and just having a bit of a dialogue and, and being prepared to be a little bit flexible about how you make uh, your learning resources um uh, available and it's a skill you know we still need professional transcribers because you know you might have an exam question that says well you know describe 10 characteristics of this picture well of course if the picture has been described already then you know is that a copy and paste job or what you know so you need skilled transcribers who are able to uh, describe content without just giving the answer away yeah, no, you're singing to my my hymn book, Dave. I'm, I'm very firm about specialist qualifications and the skills to support students who have any kind of disability, and making sure there are specialists involved in that. Yeah, yeah, and it's a it's a real skill, and uh, we must hold on to those people. You know, we hear about. Uh, you know, problems with employment at the moment. Obviously, you know, the world is, is going to enter a kind of a tough time economically as a, as a result of the pandemic. And we must make sure that we hold on to uh, all those years of, of specialist knowledge that um, have been built up. I completely agree. And I think that's a, a nice message to, to finish up on. But Dave, really appreciate your perspectives that you've brought to the, the discussion tonight. So thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure, Trudy, and uh, I'm I'm really looking for I say looking forward, <laughs> Touchwood, to the next uh, UEB Online Maths uh, module. Uh, I've just got the advanced one to finish, but I know you've got plans for a uh, for a third module there. So uh, looking forward to that, and uh, yeah, let's uh, keep the conversation going and see if there are other ways we can collaborate. Absolutely, it sounds fantastic, and yes, for everyone that has been. Wondering what was next with UEB Online Maths is, is where our heads are at at the moment. And we do have that third course that we're hoping to launch later in the year. And, and then we're thinking about other STEM subjects as well. So we will absolutely stay in touch, Dave. For now, thank you so much for your time.